0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Tuesday, August the 18th, and uh, you know what? We're excited because we get to anal- analytics slash nerd week rolls on. Joining us for the first time, a very good friend of the program, uh, someone who has their own podcast, the Bill Barnwell podcast, Bill Barnwell, what's
1: up, buddy? <laughs> really, uh, spoiled it at the last second there. With I know, the I was like, wait a minute, crap. Well,
0: actually, it's the Bill Barnwell show, so I didn't even say the right. I that the right is air.
1: fine. That is fine. The Bill Barnwell podcast is probably a better name for my actual podcast, but, uh, Will, you're, of course, are a frequent guest on the Bill Barnwell show, so I'm happy to return the favor here and hop on Six.
0: Well, and you know, we call it like nerd week, but it, that is, a, a, of course not a pejorative term. I mean, I consider myself a nerd and, the nerds rule the sports world these days. So that's, uh, but it's really more like analytics week. And it's just an excuse, honestly, to get smart people on to talk about football. Aaron Schatz, uh, who you know very well was on, was on yesterday and sort of did a deep dive into the football outsider's almanac. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, the goal is to kind of get a perspective, or at least I mean, this, I think this, I think this is the goal to get a perspective of, um, you know, league wide trends, you know, zoom in on some teams and, uh, maybe, you know, enhance the, uh, Financial portfolio for people looking to uh, gamble on some futures mm. or the NFL, which we'll talk about uh, later on. We're going to do a, a little, uh, you know, we're going to give ourselves some budgets and make some future bets. Mm. But first, Bill, I want to talk to you about trends for the upcoming season, uh, specifically like uh, on offense. And I, you know, I, what, what do you think we are going to see in this? Oh, and by the way, we're, we're recording this on t- on a Monday. Uh, August 17th. I, I finally, I'm here now. I've been saying for like the past couple of weeks, I don't feel like football's coming. Mm-hmm. I'm here now. All the training camp tweets came out on Monday yeah. and it felt glorious. Our timeline was be- blessed with grainy f- shots of, uh, of guys like working on, uh, on sleds and, and various, you know, like high, like mid quality videos of guys running around and catching football. So it, did you feel like? Maybe Monday was a turning point for us in in believing that football was going to happen. It
1: was, but for sad reasons. Like today right. was the first day we had real injuries pop up. Like we had yeah, three, that's true. three guys go down. We had um Trey Wayne's report. Uh Trey Wayne's Trey, Trey Wayne's uh, suffered a pectoral, pec- I believe, and he is going to pec- miss most,
0: if not all, of the season for the. He was a high priced Bengals free yeah. agent edition. That's a a big blow. Although I would I would think that it's actually I mean you know if you want to spin it positively. Uh, it could be a good thing for Joe Burrow because their defense will somehow be even worse than we expect.
1: Yes. Uh, more, more scoring for the Bengals, I think, for sure on both sides of the ball. On um, the Cowboys, of course, lose Gerald McCoy to a torn quad for the entire season. A huge bummer, um, as someone who's very high on the Cowboys and the Bengals yes. for that matter. And then a guy who I know, I, I don't know about you someone who I've been stashing on, like, every best ball team in, like, the 22nd round of drafts is Jalen Hurd, who uh, reportedly has suffered a knee injury and might be done for the season, which is, again, a bummer but for a Niners team that, you know, major question marks, that receiver, um, definitely some opportunities there for a guy like Hurd, who's super talented, missed all of his rookie season. Now it seems like he may miss all of his sophomore season as well. So, um, you know, I, I think that was the first sign of, like, oh, like, Gotta update, you know, my plans, gotta update what what I'm seeing here because, you know, guys are actually practicing and fortunately some of them are also getting hurt. No, it's a great point. It's, I mean, it was a reminder too. It's like, Oh my God, you know, I thought like
0: I agree because I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to the idea of being very high on the Cowboys and people have been complaining about that, you know, to me that we mentioned them too much, but look, they're the Cowboys and they're probably going to be really good this year. So deal with it. Um, you know, I, I just, it is, it is, it's a reminder that these training camp sessions, Especially this year, with nobody having worked up to get ready in the form of football-related activities in the offseason, we could see even more injury. Maybe that's a trend. Do you think we see more injuries in training camp with a lack of a ramp-up in the off-season in terms of actual football
1: activities? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it, sure. it makes sense. I mean, this is not a a normal off-season. There was no mini camp. There was no uh, typical ramp-up. I think there were, you know, probably some people out there who. You know, leading into training camp thought, Hey, we're not even going to have training camp. There's no preseason. Um, so I think we're going to see guys, you know, approach things differently, ramp up differently. There isn't going to be that sort of normal schedule for veterans who are pretty confident they're going to make the roster. And for the young guys, for rookies, I mean, you know, you don't have that, whether it's a a game or a joint practice, you don't have that moment to sort of, you know, try and shine or, or put your best stuff on tape or put your best stuff in front of coaches. So you're sort of stuck. Like, like, you know, you have to go that hard every single day at this point to impress mm. coaches. So um, that may cause more guys to get injured, unfortunately. Um, it, you know, it, it's obviously not ideal. And I think that uh, the other tough part is that as we get into the season itself, we're not going to see players have the same sort of tryout structure. So, you know, teams aren't going to be able to bring in five guys for a tryout if their kicker gets hurt. It's going to have to be more about, the guys in your building, the guys on your practice squad and the guys who you have locally, uh, who are able to go through quarantine. So, um, it, it, it's just fundamentally different. I think you have to approach it differently as a player, as a coach, as an executive. And I think if you're an analyst or a fan, just have to expect different things out of, uh, you know, each individual player and, and what they're going for this season. By the way, the, the, the
0: Waynes and the McCoy injuries are so devastating too for those particular teams just because they were, you know, you, you do, you know you do free agency you know under the the auspices of filling major holes in your roster that you believe are important and you dole out guarantees to these guys. I mean Trey Wayne's you know going to have a ten million dollar cap in twenty twenty and he's probably not going to play many many games. I mean Gerald McCoy a one year deal but eight million dollars. I mean this is not a you know in, in any look I mean every it's a game of inches but it's
1: also a game of inches within the construct of the salary cap. Hundred percent. I mean Trey Wayne's on a three year forty two million dollar deal. You're really expecting two years out of that contract and then you're gonna, you know, uh, decide what you're gonna do next. Now he has one year really to do that. So, I mean, it, it, it's just a, you know, it's a bummer. At the end of the day, like, like just, you don't want to see guys get hurt. Um, you don't want to see players who, you know, are, are expecting to play this season, uh, you know, start, start with injuries. But I think because of the way that we've seen, Camps develop in the way that we've seen the offseason develop. I think it's just inevitable that we're going to see more guys get hurt and more guys, um, you know, well, not even as much as like the, the sort of torn ACLs, but just I think you're going to see a lot of muscle injuries. You're going to see, a lot, injuries. Yep. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of guys who, you know, just, just were in a different situation this offseason who, you know, as they ramp up are going to just pull something or strain something and a lot of week to week injuries are going to pop up. I agree with you completely. So I think that's a, that is a trend to watch, and you
0: know we, we're going to bet some futures with hypothetical with a hypothetical budget later. Maybe it's maybe it's worth your while. And we can talk about this in a little bit to wait and see what happens in camp uh, mm-hmm. before you make those future plays, unless you've got some great price. Because as we're seeing, you know the, these injuries can drastically change uh, how a team's outlooks. Uh, what from an offensive standpoint? Mm-hmm. Are you? I'm sort of kind of like embedded in this idea that we are going to see a lot of teams be more aggressive running, not more aggressive, be more traditional running the football. And I don't mean like an establish the run kind of thing, but that we're going to see teams try to simplify offenses in this weird offense, in this weird off season, maybe become power run teams or just, you know, teams that, that look like they're going to run, but then are able to pass, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think there's some merit to that? That construct so you're picking Case in Hill for MVP, aren't you? <laughs> or uh, or Jalen Hurts,
1: or Jalen Hurts. That's right. Yeah. um
0: Yeah, well, by I, the way, Bebo, who you met before the show, is an Eagles fan, and oh so if I if I say anything that sounds like aggressively trolly
1: about the Eagles, it's it's just that a natural guy. visceral reaction to to trolling. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that makes total sense. You know, I think it depends on the team. I think it depends on the situation. I think for teams that have more continuity, I, I think it does make sense maybe to go faster, uh, Ooh. to try and take advantage of defenses that have been weakened, that aren't up to game shape, that maybe aren't playing their full complement of players because they are struggling with guys who are hurt. Um, and sort of relying on that continuity and communication and the comfort level to go faster and, and to speed things up. But I do think for the newer teams, for the teams who have brought in new head coaches, new offensive coordinators, I think it makes total sense for them to go run heavy. Not that it, the run is easier to teach because it, it's just, it's, it's just different. You know, I I think it's lower risk, lower reward. Right. And for a team like the Browns, for example, you got to figure it makes total sense for them and for Kevin Stefanski uh, and that coaching staff to go run heavy. Something they probably already want to do. Why not take it a step further? you know, we're we're going to coach outside zone. We're going to teach that really well. We're going to have some play action concepts off that. That's going to be the basis of our offense. Now, maybe in a typical year, you'd install more stuff, maybe a few more RPOs for Baker, um, which one of the few things he did well in years past. But I think because this is a unique season, maybe you simplify things and you go more run heavy and, and you try and play a different sort of style than you would in a typical season. And I think it depends on the personnel. I mean, you go up and down the league and look at these new coaches. I mean, the Chargers are a good team where not a new coach, but a new quarterback in Tyrod Taylor makes total sense to run that offense that Tyrod ran in Buffalo yes. under Greg Roman. Absolutely makes sense. And if you want to bring in Justin Herbert at midseason, you can, but why not start the year and see if Tyrod can do that when he succeeded with that same offense in the past? Um, I, I think the tough part's going to be a team like Carolina with Joe Brady, where they have Christian McCaffrey and, and they have you know a, uh, a, a offensive coordinator in Joe Brady, who of course last year we saw we did an LSU. He was throwing He's thirty up. years old, by the way, thirty. It. I remember at Grantland, I wanted to interview Sean McVay for a uh, for a piece, and I think I was the same age as him. And I was like, "Man, I'm so happy <laughs> that I'm the same age as Sean McVay. I'd feel really old if that were the case." And now um, I've learned my lesson, and now I feel that. <laughs> I,
0: I feel that <laughs> old.
1: Um But yeah, you know, I, I think a, a pass heavy offense at LSU, a very successful offense, but. Um, a team that's invested a lot at receiver has a ton of talent in DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, uh, Robbie Anderson, even Ian Thomas, McCaffrey's a great receiver. Um, You know, I, and, and of course signed Tony Bridgewater this off I wonder if they are a team that's kind of caught between two conflicts. What do do you want to run the ball more and, you know, keep your quarterback healthy and, you know, not put too much pressure on your defense, which is definitely going to be a work in progress. Or do you say, Hey, we're going to be in shootouts every week anyway. We're playing the Falcons, the Saints, and the Bucks six times, and we know we need to score to beat those teams. So let's just chuck the ball up six hundred times and trust Teddy to make plays with the football because that might be a better solution for their specific team.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think great points. And with Carolina too, you know, they drafted what nine start, nine players on defense in the draft, only defensive players. You know they—they are going to be. They had one of the worst defenses in football last year. It it would be very difficult to imagine that they have a great defense this year with all with all the rookies in in place. Um, and yeah, I don't know. You know, with the with the all the new pieces, you know, Greg Olson out, Ian Thomas in, as you mentioned, you know, a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach. I I think it's it's a tough spot for him. And maybe the offense is good, but that might just be a byproduct of the defense being bad. I think the Browns are a great example of let's hunker down and, and try and, and be simple. They, I feel bad for Cleveland. Cause I mean, how many times can they get hope in in an off season and have it dashed? And then this year they're like the post type sleeper, but with all the, you know, the lack of continuity with them, it's, it's hard to imagine them coming out of the gates really clean and everybody on the same page. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Stefanski is that good and it doesn't matter, but um, I think it's, I think it's tough to tough to foresee the Patriots. Sort of did what, like Cleveland did too, in terms of, you can see what they're trying to build. Like Cleveland has the two good running backs in, in, in Chubb and Hunt. They have, they go out and, you know, pay for Conklin. They draft, or they, 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 uh, excuse me, they pay for Austin Hooper. You know, it's clear that they want to sort of get back to the roots, run play action like, uh, Stefanski did in Minnesota. The Patriots use the franchise tag on Joe Tooney. That's a guard. I mean, that's a lot of money for, for a guard. As good as he is, it is great and- at the school as he came from.
1: Yeah, and, and a team that already had Shaq Mason making yeah. $10 million a year.
0: Right. And then they draft what, uh, Devin Asiasi and, um, oh gosh, who's the other guy they drafted? They had, uh, uh they, Dalton they, they, drafted, they, they go back, they use the two, they use the two picks on the, on the tight ends like they did with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. And I'm not saying that, um, Asiasi and Dalton who who's the other third round pick are going to be those guys, but they invested high picks in them. Uh, you know, they, they, they've gone out and they have, um, added, talent, if you will, at the running back position, Lamar Miller. They drafted Damian Harris in the third round last year. Sony Michelle is there, too. And then they get Cam Newton. I, I sort of wonder if this might be a, like, all right, let's go Cam, and, like, they're going to just be a power run team with Cam and just try and shorten games and play great defense. Does that seem
1: viable? Yeah, I, I think two things come to mind there. Number one, um, you know, I I look at – the, the they've added, they also added, or they actually added the fallback and then the fallback opted out, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, but you know, I, I think it makes sense for them to do that. I think that, uh, number one, they don't have to worry about Cam's future. Cam signed to a one year contract for them. So if you want to run Cam 150 times, you don't have to worry about the future. You can just run him into the line and, and see what happens. Um, and, and I think number two, I really think what Cam gives them. More than anything else, and I've talked about this a little bit on on my show, is he's a replacement for Tom Brady. He's also a, a replacement for Gronk, because Ooh. you think about this offense, think about what they did well in years past. They really sort of built themselves upon the ability to take advantage of what you put out there in defense. So they would come out with, uh, you know, uh, they come out with four wide, or 11 personnel, they would really spread you out, and then run the ball, and run the ball effectively. And they would come out with two tight ends and a fullback and throw the ball effectively. We saw that in the Super Bowl, where they only moved the ball on the Rams uh, three straight times, they ran the same play out of 22 personnel. And they were able to do that because they had Gronk. Because Gronk, when you split him out, is a wide receiver. And Gronk, when you have him in line, is an offensive lineman. And yes. there's not anyone else maybe in the history of football who is that good at both those jobs as Rob Gronkowski. So now... Gronk's gone. That's obviously a bummer, but by bringing in Cam Newton, what you have is a guy who, when you spread the ball out, when you have three, four wide outs in the game, he can throw the football effectively. And then when you, or sorry, when you have three or four wide outs in the field, he can be an effective power runner between the tackles because right. we know he's a mismatch for most linebackers and most, most safeties. So you can't, you know, you, if you're going to spread the, the defense out, Cam's going to run the ball. And then when you have two tight ends, like the guys you mentioned, they bring in a fullback, bring in two running backs, come out with one wide receiver and they go play action. Cam's a great play action passer. He had success with it in Carolina and he's a guy who can make you pay for, for taking shots downfield. So I think, you know, I, I think Cam sort of gives them that versatility and that sort of, I guess versatility is probably the right word for it. He, he, he gives them that, 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 sort of uncertainty that they had with Gronk and didn't have last year. And you notice the offense kind of stunk last year without Gronk in the line. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I mean, can't, like Bill Belichick's thing and everybody knows this is to be, to diversify his game plans on a week-to-week basis, well, Cam Newton, as you point out, allows him to diversify his game plan on a play-by-play basis. So, if you can be, mul- I, mean, I sound like a head coach who just got hired at like Tulsa, but you can be multiple on a week-to-week basis, Bill. Uh, I mean, if you can be multiple on a week-to-week, you know, with your plays, I mean, why not? And I, I don't know that they have the. I don't know that they have the weapons. I mean, look, maybe Inkeel Harry takes a huge step forward. Poor Julian Edelman's still there without all his BFFs. Uh, they they don't have a whole lot in the in the passing game without these tight ends or Inkeel Harry making a leap forward and, and the running backs being great. But I mean, you know, there's enough there. I mean, Cam Newton won the MVP and went to the Super Bowl with Ted Guinness, as his number one wideout. So I, I think it's if he's healthy, all the all these things are viable. I with with regard to the Gronk Cam thing, who is the greatest? Red zone weapon
1: of all time. Would you would you take Cam or would you take Gronk? Hmm. I I think Gronk because the Patriots. Like you look at the numbers. I guess this is Analytics Week, so I should be looking at the numbers. Gronk. We assume you've looked at the numbers, Bill. Yes. You can. You're
0: going to get that. You're going to get that freebie there.
1: There we go. Take it. Um. Gronk is a pretty big outlier in terms of touchdown rate. I mean, there's you know Mike Clay works for us at ESPN. Has done great work on touchdown regression, and it's almost like clockwork. You know, guys who have particularly low or particularly high touchdown rates from year to year. The next year, they almost always regress towards the mean. That is just the reality of the league. It's tough to score touchdowns at a particularly high rate year after year after year, unless you're Rob Gronkowski. And he has been otherworldly when it's come to scoring in the red zone. Now, maybe if Ron Rivera during uh, Cam's entire career had been very aggressive on fourth down, very aggressive in the red zone with using Cam as a short-order weapon – um. Maybe it would be different. Maybe Cam would have some crazy rushing touchdown totals, but I think Gronk is such a unique force. And granted, the guy we saw in 2019 or 2018 was not that guy. You know, he was really just a, you know, a shell of his former self. But you know, uh, for a seven eight year stretch, Gronk was the most terrifying weapon in the game at, at, at different stretches. And other other great receivers, Julio Jones is great in his own way, but Gronk was just an absolute force of nature. Okay. Uh, I would take Cam,
0: but I, I have no problem with the selection of Gronk. I think they're probably the, the two, I think they're probably the two greatest offensive red zone weapons of all time. Cam just can use his legs and hold the football and Gronk, you know, can't technically do that because he (laughs) plays tight end. Uh, so one of the things that we've seen, I think typically, I think we'll see the Patriots probably in a lot of 12 personnel next year because of those tight ends in the addition. If they can get up to speed and can block very well for them. Um, one of the teams that we, an analytically inclined team, the Philadelphia Eagles, used 12 personnel a lot last year. And they have, uh, they have Dallas Goddard and they have Zach Ertz. And that's why, because they had Greg Ward Jr., the former quarterback from Houston at, at, a, at wide receiver last year. They went out and drafted a bunch of speed. Can you see a situation where they are even more aggressive about their 12 personnel usage? in 2020 with the idea being we're going to run the ball with Miles Sanders mm-hmm. and then let Carson take shots of these verti- these vertical guys, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, John Hightower, um, You know, J.J. Arcego-Whiteside, not so much a speed burner. Quez Watkins can fit in the case there. I mean, they, they there's, there's depth there at wide receiver if everything pans out, but it's a lot of young guys and a lot of injury history. How do you see their offense
1: looking? I don't see it changing that much, and I think it's even more so now after we've seen Marquise Goodwin drop out. I've um, seen some uncertainty about Alshon Jeffrey's readiness for the season. You know, I, I, I don't think they're quite as impressive as Whiteout as some of the names I'd indicated. Deshaun Jackson's hurt or he doesn't make the team or he, you know, talks his way off the team or whatever. They're suddenly very thin at wide receiver. Um, I, I, I think Ortega Whiteside might have a bigger role, uh, if Jeffrey does get hurt and he was bad last year. He might be good. I, I think he's someone who it's way too early to give up on, but he might not be an NFL caliber wide receiver. He wasn't a year ago. So I think. The other big thing is that the Eagles are smart and the Eagles have seen uh their postseason performance the last three years suffer because Carson Wentz has played a total of one quarter. Ooh. And you can say what you want about last year's hit from Jedevi and Clowney. I know some people think it was dirty. I'm, I'm not going to argue with them. But what I'm going to say is that I think the Eagles are going to place a priority on keeping bodies off Carson Wentz and giving him safe throws to make. And I think at the end of the day, you can dial up plays where you have a speedy weapon who is not going to be, um, you know, get get downfield quickly, and Carson doesn't have to hold the ball all that long. But I think the Eagles don't want to put Carson Wentz in a ton of situations where he's taking a seven-step drop off a of play action and waiting to sort of get the ball at the last possible second, even if it means taking a hit. I his injuries have been scramble, so I know that he, you know, uh you might not be able to coach that of his game. That might not be related to. Uh, the seven step drop, but why not avoid getting hits on that guy if you can? So I think they're going to be quicker getting the ball out than maybe it might seem with those speed additions. And I think when you do that, getting those two tight ends, those two big bodies out there it does make sense. And they were much more efficient last year uh out of that 12 personnel than out of 11 personnel by according to the NFL's next gen stats, 52% success rate with uh, two tight ends in the field, 47% with the three uh, wide outs. That's actually even better. 55% on a much smaller sample, only 42 plays when they had six offensive linemen on the field with two tight ends and they were just uh, in a jumbo package. So, um, you know, I, I think it makes total sense for them to rely on Ertz and Goddard to not only uh, give Wentz the possibility of staying healthy, but also to Sean Jackson, you know, I think getting him uh, fewer reps and having him stay healthier by, you know, sort of alternating him with Rager makes total sense. So I'm someone who's high on Rager. I think he could be an impact player as a rookie, but I do think at the end of the day, 12 personnel, more miles Sanders, Quicker throws for Wentz, uh, uh, you know, some Jalen Hurts packages here and there. I think makes total sense. Reminds me a little bit of the twenty eighteen Panthers. Yep, exactly. Where
0: they bring in Cam, where they bring in Dorf Turner and, and Cam, you increase his percentage, his completion percentage. You increase his efficiency. I mean, like before with Mike Shula, he's just standing back there, patting the ball, patting the ball, drop, 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 and boom, taking shots. That's a it's a great call. You know, you're only going to no matter. I mean, you you won the Super Bowl, with Nick Foles. You're still only going to go as far as you. Can as far as Carson Wentz is willing to take you uh, in 2020. What so the Texans similarly is Bill O'Brien building out an offense that involves Deshaun Watson holding the football for record-breaking, uh, like an average record-breaking time, and then just chunking it deep to these speedy wideouts, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks. I mean, just absolute burners. Uh, and then you know when he's not doing that, he's handing off to David Johnson. What uh, what do you think? Bill O'Brien is cooking up in Houston.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, hey, what do you think Bill O'Brien's cooking up in Houston? Because <laughs> I'm not well,
1: sure, sure I have the answer here.
0: Well, Ryan Ryan Wilson, um, in 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 an attempt to insult, uh, both myself and Bill O'Brien, refers to Bill O'Brien as Billy O'Brinson on this podcast.
1: Oh, that's, that's just uncalled for.
0: Oh, right, it really is. Uh, and we actually have Houston fans who listen to the show who are like, have like, who like refer to him as Billy or Brinson when they talk to their friends. So that's not. Not great for anybody's brand, really. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing because if I mean, I, I, look, I, look. If you want to go all in on trading DeAndre Hopkins because you don't think it's going to work out over the long haul, I mean, you're the GM. You're the coach. I, okay. I mean, I guess sure. you can sort of. I feel like there has to be some sort of alternate reality where this where this move justifies itself. I just don't know that trading for a running back who's past his prime with a big contract. Uh, who's been injury or maybe not past his prime, but who's been injury prone with a big contract? Sure. And then you're just going to feed David Johnson? Like, what happens if that doesn't work out? What happens if giving David Johnson the ball 30 times a game and then I, I don't it didn't make, none of it makes any sense, Bill? So I almost think it's it's like so obvious that it's not working that I I'm trying to convince myself that it might work, but I don't well, know how.
1: Here's the thing: they have Deshaun Watson. Sure. And there's a chance that Sean Watson just makes it work out of sheer will. So he does and, it a lot and talent. He's very good at football and he can cover for a lot of your mistakes. And I mean, you know, we can criticize the moves and I think it's fair to do so, but you wouldn't say this is not as a, a untalented roster. There's some talent here. I mean, Brandon cooks when he's healthy is a very good NFL wide receiver. Will Fuller is awesome when he's healthy. It's just, he's healthy for about <laughs> six or seven games a year. Um, David Johnson was a guy who of course to me was a better player than Zeke Elliott in 2016. Yeah. And mean the last couple of years have been rough. Um, I'm not going to lie, but he wasn't quite as bad as maybe the Kenyan Drake bump saw um in the first half of the is he was not great, but I think he was a competent NFL running back and someone who at the very least we can all say is a effective receiver. So if they split him out, uh, you know, he can, he can be an effective receiver. Maybe they're going to go empty. Maybe they're going to throw the ball a bunch, get the ball out quick. Um, their teams to stop the offense that way Um the offensive line should be better. So hopefully they, they protect, um, they do protect Sean Watson a little better, but, but as um, Rivers McCown pointed out in the football Outsiders Almanac 2020. Speaking of Aaron Schatz, um the offensive line investments haven't made things all that much better. Sacks and, and hits and hurries tend to be a quarterback stat. And the Sean Watson for all of his strengths is someone who does uh, loves, to hold the ball, to hold loves the ball, the holds in the ball, loves to book, loves to extend plays. And that's, that can be a blessing because you make magic happen. It can also be a curse because you turn the ball over and make mistakes and get hurt. And I have to admit, I don't want to read another story about the Watson, not being able to travel via plane and having to take a bus, uh, 15 hours to Jacksonville or however long it took to get from Houston to Jacksonville. So I, I would prefer that he stay healthy and the construction of this offense doesn't lead me to believe that they're in a great position to make that happen. But, um, I think if you think about it as Cooks and Fuller sort of being, um, how would I put it? Sort of being insurance for each other. You might hope that's, that's how it turns out. Mm. I I mean, so
0: you're hoping, you're hoping they brother in law where like one guy's healthy six games, one guy's healthy 10 games or
1: something like that. You know what I mean? They're not both injured at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And and I think this is a, a team that the, the comparison I've made is this is like the Tony Ormore era cowboys teams where they have. Seven or eight players who, when they're healthy, are absolute superstars. You have Watson, you have David Johnson. You have Larry Tunsil, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, J.J. Watt. Um, the list gets thinner from there. But Whitney Merciless is very good. Uh, Bradley Ruby is a solid corner when he's healthy. Justin Reed's really promising. Um, you know, they have a, a core of guys where if everyone stays healthy, they have, four, they have four, they have four cornerbacks who are, or excuse me, three cornerbacks who are former first round picks. Right. And a second rounder in Lonnie Johnson from yeah. uh, last year. I mean, they have a core of guys where if those guys all stay healthy, they're a scary football team. When we saw last year, this is a team that, you know, came within uh, a 58 yard field goal of beating the Saints at home in week one. A team that bl- honestly blew out the Patriots. I know the final score was 28-22. They dominated that game. Um, and then it's a team that the following week lost to the Broncos. They were down 38-3 at home. Uh, to Drew Locke in, in the second half. I mean, you know, it, it's like this team has to stay healthy. They have to believe in themselves. They have to be consistent from week to week and they have to get hot in the postseason. And then I think just the nature of this particular year makes it very tough to believe that they're going to be able to stay healthy all season.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I like, I, all right. I can maybe he's building a, maybe that's what he's building. That's a great comp on the, uh, the, the, the Jerry Joneses. By the way, uh, I told this story yesterday. When Aaron was on, but because you also worked at Football Outsiders, I'm going to tell you this too. Uh, So Ryan Wilson was back in 2006 was writing the blurbs for Football Outsiders in the little Mm -hmm. blog or whatever, right? You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I remember. And uh, on this on April April 18th, I found this since yesterday, April 18th, 2006, 11:42 a.m. by P. Ryan Wilson. I saw Adam Schefter mention this last night on Total Access. There's absolutely no way Houston wouldn't draft Reggie Bush, right? I mean, this would be the definition of a pre-draft smokescreen. In related news, the Texans visited with linebacker Jeff Lagerman earlier this week. So Ryan writes this, and a couple hours later he gets an email from Adam Schefter that says, Just watch. <laughs> We have no idea if, if Schefter remembers this or not, but I find it <laughs> hilarious. Ryan definitely remembered it. He still—I don't think he even has the email left in his Gmail anymore,
1: or his Yahoo Mail or whatever it is. But we told Aaron that, and I thought you would appreciate that. Oh as man, a I um, I, I I would politely request that my past archives at Football Outsiders not get searched in the same way, because I promise you, I said some very stupid things back then. I got a couple things right, but I am—we're all young. I am
0: thrilled that that uh, for whatever reason, that AOL is a a a, a bungling uh, clown show and managed <laughs> to allow Fan House to become destroyed in all of my archives and the thing. Because back in the day, Bill, you could write whatever you wanted on the internet with, like, little to no repercussions. Like, you could say mean, snarky, sarcastic things that just wouldn't fly in an article on, like, CBS Sports or ESPN
1: today. Dude, Terry Bradshaw died on the box <laughs> one day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He died on the internet. Larry um, um, died. Uh, even even as recently as uh, you know, five or six years ago, Eddie Lacey gained forty pounds in a day and ooh, then dropped it. That's
0: right. I once did a a, a very mean Photoshop of Jamarcus Russell, Aww. and you know what? It was it was amusing at the time. I regret it now, and I'm glad that it's I'm glad that it's gone. So,
1: yeah. um But yeah, uh, I, it just you know, I think it's a little more responsibility these days, which is nice.
0: We're older, we're smarter, but maybe not wise. Some of us are wiser All right. <laughs> Uh, Let's take a quick break, and we come back, we will uh, tell you what futures we're going to bet on. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out Care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to.
0: Okay. So the idea here is that we are going to spend $500 each. This is a hypothetical budget. I don't know why I came up with $500. I figured we'd do less bets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, I mean, anybody who's listened to me on Bill's podcast knows that typically speaking, and by the way, it is, it is odd having me host and, and you <laughs> analyze, but I, I think it's probably better content, or at least the, the, the analysis part of it is better content anyway. Um, it, like, usually it'll go long. So I didn't want to go long. So I wanted to keep the, I wanted to keep the, the budget fairly tight. Uh, we're going to do win totals, week one lines, MVP, rookie of the year, anything, any sort of future that you want to bet. Um, and I guess we'll just go, we can go back and forth I think that we have the same, uh, number. Yeah. Yeah, we basically have the same number of things. Uh, Bill, I will let you start because you're the guest, obviously. Um, and we're, this is how we're going to spend, so you can spend $500. Uh, go,
1: go away. Spend your money. Okay. Here's my first bet. And I'm not someone who believes that I can bet NFL sides very well. I'm I'm sure I can succeed here or there, but I think if you gave me a million dollars and told me to bet NFL sides for 10 years, I would have, Probably like a 50% success rate, which would not You'd be. You'd
0: have really like $750,000 in 10 years.
1: Exactly. Right. right. Like I, I, I would not lose at all, but I would probably not win a lot either. So I don't typically want to bet a side, but one place I feel like makes sense is week one. Uh, the Denver Broncos are hosting the Tennessee Titans and they are one of the half point favorites. And the reason I feel pretty confident about the Broncos, there's a few reasons why. Um, you go back through history the Broncos have typically been very good in September when they have been at home. And the biggest reason why is not because the Broncos prep for the season better or because they are great in training camp. nothing like that. The reality is the Broncos have altitude and yeah. across the league this year, there are teams who have an incredibly strong home field advantage, or have had that in the past who are going to lose it. The Seahawks, have maybe the loudest fans in all of football. The Chiefs have the loudest fans in all of football, maybe. Those teams don't have fans this year, so they're going to lose that element of their home field advantage. The Broncos have loud fans, (laughs) but the fans are going, they still have altitude. It's not going to suddenly be sea level in Denver. (laughs) So that's still going to be an issue. That's still going to be a home field benefit for them. On top of that, this is a shortened preseason or a non-existent preseason. There's no preseason games. There's just a bunch of padded practices. I would not want to be Tennessee heading into week one with no game, no game, uh, experience over the course of the season. And then you're playing at 5,000 feet above sea level in week one. So to me, I feel like the Broncos are pretty comfortable favorites in that particular situation. Even though I think Tennessee is a better football team. I hate that spot for them in week one. That's a great call. I,
0: um, I haven't spent a ton of time out in Denver recently, but I did go out to Red Rocks. Uh, I think it was last summer. God, it feels mm-hmm. like 12 years ago. Um, and saw a concert there. And this is, you know, you can make, a, he's out of breath at a concert jokes so all you want, but you climb those stairs. Yeah. And you're breathing hard, man. You can feel it. It feels weird. It, it's a little spooky because you're, you're short on breath. And yeah, I would anticipate that that's a great call. I would, I would even add that, you know, there wouldn't be anything wrong with betting the Broncos first half line either. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then maybe look and see what happens in that first half and then, and then come back in the second half. What do you think about Denver's chances as a team this year? Because I
1: I, I feel they probably
0: fall in the getting a little too trendy for me
1: category. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think in the the big picture, it's going to be tough. They play the, um, we have according to ESPN's football power index, the toughest schedule in football. And I think, with Drew Locke, I'm not gonna lie, I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw from him in his first five games. So I went back and watched all those games over the offseason. And he was pretty good. <laughs> like I was I was not expecting a lot out of Drew Locke. He was more impressive than I thought. Yeah. I still think he has some work to do. Um they lost Juan James to an opt out, which hurts. Their offensive line is gonna be a problem at tackle. Um the defense I think should be pretty good. I, I think Big Fans obviously has a great history. Um I I think, you know, a seven and nine, eight and eight team to me. Um, that could that make the playoffs? Yeah, it's not out of the question, I guess. But um, to me, I think maybe just a step short uh, of, of sort of postseason contention this year. Yeah, the people who are getting cranked up and talking about the Broncos and seeing the Chiefs settle down, people. I I, I would be intrigued to find out what happens to Patrick Mahomes in that scenario. I'm not hopeful because I think it involves him losing at least one of his limbs, which would be very sad. <laughs> uh, but, How are you getting injured, losing a limb, or like? Let, an you, eye? let me ask you actually. Well, let me ask you this question. Okay. If you're the Chiefs. Let's say you've already lost uh Dr. DuVernay Tardif to right. an opto. And Dr. Uh, Damian Williams. And Dr. Damian Williams, uh, honorary doctorate for for Mr. Williams. But let's say you lose uh Mitchell Schwartz. Let's say Mitchell Schwartz gets hurt. And obviously, we, we don't want Mitchell Schwartz hurt. Let's say it happens. Let's say you lose Eric Fisher. Let's say your offensive line is suddenly porous and you start off two and two. And you're running out Patrick Mahomes, who has a 13-year contract for $500 million that has – everything guaranteeing a year in advance and your offensive line is a bunch of backups. Mm. Do you at least consider shutting him down and saying, Hey, this just isn't our year. We need to worry about the future. Or do you think they just have to go forward? Cause they're huge favorites. If Patrick Mahomes stays healthy.
0: I think you have to go forward with it. And and the only reason I say that is because I, I believe that Andy Reid can scheme up enough stuff. Like he would just, I think he would just like incorporate a bunch of play action bootlegs. Mm-hmm. And and then maybe you try to lean on your defense and 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 utilize uh, the the a passing attack with Clyde Edwards Lair, um and uh, you know whoever gosh, whoever they have a how am I forgetting his name I drafted him in the sixth round last year um the, the other but uh, Darwin Thompson Darwin Thompson yeah try and use these guys to create a running game sort of like the Patriots do with the short passing game and just get the ball out quick and tell Mahomes that he can't hold the football uh, because I I do think that the Chiefs. You know, we talked to Aaron Schatz about this yesterday. The top tier teams are so much better than the rest of the teams in the NFL. It feels like, but with the Saints and Ravens and Chiefs in this shortened off season, they have so much continuity with all three of those teams that it stands to reason they have a very good chance of getting back uh, and making a deep playoff run. So. I would gamble with it, but I don't think it's insane to at least consider the idea that we can't have this guy suffer an injury that keeps him out past last, past like you know next off season.
1: What are the chances that Jason Avant catches a pass for the Chiefs this year?
0: Uh, probably like eighty percent. Eighty
1: percent. I don't know. You can tell me anybody
0: for the, for the, for the Chiefs or, or or the Eagles. Anybody for the Eagles or Chiefs? Now I will believe that they, they get to pass. Um. I don't have, uh, either of the Eagles or the Chiefs in my, uh, in my, in my money, but I do have the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to put $130 on the Arizona Cardinals over win total at seven to win a hundred. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the Broncos being trendy. Well, maybe the Cardinals are trendier. I don't know. Kyler Murray 20 to one to win the MVP. I don't think that's bettable at this point. Uh, it, all the value of him being the next Lamar, the next Mahomes has been sucked out, but I do think that Arizona, made a lot of uh subtle moves defensively and then also added Isaiah Simmons in the draft. Of course they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Um and I think Cliff Kingsbury down the stretch last year got so much better at being an NFL head coach mm-hmm. that I, I I like what Arizona's putting together. My biggest uh hang up here, and I think it would be the case for for a lot of people, and the reason why people they might not get as much buzz is the division is very tough. But I, yes. I am Quite bullish on Kyler Murray. He spins a deep ball incredibly well. I think the offensive line should be better. Marcus Gilbert losing him hurts. Um, I don't know if Josh James will be ready out of Houston as a, as a second round pick, but Mm -hmm.
1: I think, I think this, there's a lot of upside here for Arizona. Yeah. I mean, they're a trendy pick. I will say that much. They are, um, absolutely a trendy pick and I think they will improve, um, for sure. I don't know. I mean, I, I I think if you have to get it to eight, that's not impossible to imagine. I think if it's, if it was six and a half, I'd feel better. Yes. I, 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 could absolutely. If it were seven and a half, I don't know that I would do it. Right. And, and, and I think that, um, being able to push at seven is nice. Yes. Um, are you,
0: do you think that Kyler Murray has that leap that the that, that Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes took? Or is, I, I think, I don't think it was you who pointed it out, but it could have been somebody said, you know, he, he did already have an awesome rookie season. So. You know, you know, Lamar played half a year. Mahomes played right. one game. So there was a huge gap
1: to make this big leap. Maybe it's asking too much for Kyler to make that big leap. Maybe Wentz might be another example where it's a guy who was decent as a rookie. Yeah. Um, Murray, Murray played better than Wentz as a rookie for sure. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I, I could buy it. I do think that I'm more concerned about the offensive line than you are. I mean, losing Gilbert is, is a problem. DJ Humphreys is a guy who hasn't been healthy as a pro until I think last year. I mean, a guy who was, didn't play at all as a rookie. No, sixteen game season before 2019. I think if you lose him, you're suddenly in real trouble with that offensive line. So I'm a you were allowed to that. say that my bet is bad, Bill. You no, I, no I, I you're asking about Kyler, though. Yeah, the bet's that's fine. I I think Kyler will get better, but I think I I don't anticipate the the sort of jump that we saw from Lamar. I feel like it it could happen. wouldn't Wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world, but I feel like it's it's like it's very trendy. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's Mitchell Trubisky because that's not, <laughs> Kyler is much better than Mitch Trubisky. But like, that is the sort of confidence that I'm seeing about the MVP bets for Kyler where it's like, he's getting bets to the point where it doesn't make sense. Now. You can't take him at 20 to 1. That's, it's, it's just terrible. Odds. Like, just like, don't think, do it. I think Mitch was 22 to 1 last year or even. No,
0: no, no, no. He was like 150.
1: Last year? No, but say, by, by the end of the season, by the end of uh, the preseason.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe he got in bed down to like 30 or something to one. But I mean, like, I don't think he ever got lower than 20. I hope he yeah. got
1: 20. Yeah, cause I, I think, I think he was 22 and that was the point where the bookmaker who was a Bears fan was saying, uh, I don't think this is a good idea. People are wasting their money. Um, <laughs> which is a bad sign when the bookmaker who is a Bears fan is telling you that. Right, um, right, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I post, I put something in my column today and I think it's, it's probably going to make people upset. But, um, oh, yeah, I saw
0: that. It was uh, you did a bunch of props. People should go read this. It was it Kyler Murray, rushing and
1: passing yards minus four and a half over Lamar Jackson. Is that oh right? no, 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 actually a different one. Okay. Um, I did a different one with Kyler and Daniel Jones. Ooh. Daniel Jones, who, by the way, last year and this is what I put in my column, on a per game basis, Daniel Jones started twelve games. Kyler Murray started sixteen. Daniel Jones averaged more fantasy points than Kyler Murray did last year. Wow. And. I don't think Daniel Jones has that sort of upside to be a Lamar Jackson, obviously, or a Patrick Mahomes, but he didn't get a single snap last year with his five weapons: with Saquon, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton. Zero snaps with those five guys last year. If you're looking for a long, like for a a, a guy who is not getting that sort of hype who could make a leap, I would go Daniel Jones at whatever he is for MVP over Kyler at twenty to one. I I would agree with that. And in fact, I have an MVP back coming up that is not Kyler Murray, but
0: first, oh, really? uh, yeah, yeah, we'll let, uh, I'll let you make your next selection.
1: Okay. So you picked Cardinals over seven. I'll go with, it, I think, a trendy team in a different way. Um, at least me and Mina Kimes might be the only people on this bandwagon. No, 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 you're not. Okay. I like the Lions over six and a half and I, I almost had them, I almost had a bet on them winning the division. I think they were at 850 maybe on the lines we were looking at. I think if it was higher, I would have put 25 or $50 on them winning the division. I think. Wrote right about it in my column for ESPN, uh, writing about the most likely teams to improve. Not a lock by any means. 312 and 1 last year. Not sure Matt Patricia's a good coach. I think his, some of his players probably hate him. At least the players who leave seem to say <laughs> they hate him. Um, but I think a guy who, uh, you know, they were better last year than the numbers indicated. They were 6 and 10 by their Pythagorean expectation. They, of course, did not have Matthew Stafford for half the season. They were 0 and 8 without Stafford. No reason to think Stafford's going to miss half the season again this year. Of course, I said that about Cam last year, and Cam missed pretty much the entire season. So, uh, you know, all bets are always off. But I, I think if you're going to take a risk, I, I would go over 6.5. I think they have a very viable shot at being an 8-9 win football team. And I think that, um, you know, the, the the team last year who were in this sort of boat where it was the most obvious benefit, uh, most obvious factors about them improving all added up were the Niners, and they were a team under my column last year who went off? I think at uh, eight. Was there over or under a year ago, and they went thirteen oh, yeah. games. So I mean, it's not. I don't think the Lions have that sort of upside, but I do think they could be a playoff team this year. Yeah. Uh, so actually, in the Football Outsiders Almanac, the Lions have the
0: most. Uh, they average the most wins of all NFC North teams, mm. and even eight. They are, in theory, Football Outsiders projected division winner in the NFC North, and I uh, I actually agree with you because. The MVP pick that I referenced was Matthew Stafford. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh okay. I am going to put $25. I'm not brazen enough to put, you know, $100 on Matthew
1: Stafford. It would be crazy to put $100 on an MVP pick.
0: Right. Uh yeah, because you're you're like literally Pete Prisco has an MVP vote. <laughs> like you are you're allowing Pete Prisco to decide the the fate of your hard-earned cash. You know, it, there's a it's not like it's you know, most passing yards or most rushing yards, right. whether it's just statistical analysis and then who has the most wins. This is, there is a narrative driven pile of crap that can, that can change an MVP race. race. I would so not
1: I, call Pete Prisco a narrative driven pile of crap. That's mean. Will.
0: you would, you should see what I call him on, on our text thread with him. It's far, <laughs> far worse than that. Uh, but I'm going to put $25 on Matthew Stafford It's 66 to one. Um, I really uh, think th- that's a, that's a bad number.
1: I agree.
0: 100%. So if the Lions, let's say the Lions win 10 games, mm-hmm. which is not out of control. I mean, they as you point out, they're over under six and a half minus 145. I and mean, Vegas believes that the Lions will win seven games. You know, that's, that's sort of where they, they target him, right? And then if a couple of things go their way and they didn't have anything go their way last year in the first couple of weeks of the season and then Stafford got hurt. Um, and Stafford stays healthy for 16 games, which, you know, is not, not always guaranteed with him, but he's been healthier than people think. Yeah. If he has the sort of season that he did last year where they're running the football, they should be more effective adding DeAndre Swift now, who's a better pass catcher than Carrion Johnson. They want to lean on Carrion Johnson and they won't have to go to Bo Scarborough if Carrion gets hurt or anything like that. Um, you know, you have an offensive line that looks like it's improved at least on paper. And then Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, like Daryl Bevel gets killed for, for the Super Bowl. And I get it. I mean, you know, it, it's one of the all time disastrous plays and one of the most famous plays in NFL history. But before that, the guy had done a pretty good job coordinating a run-heavy, deep-shot passing attack Mm -hmm. that is just absolutely caters to Matthew Stafford's skill set. And if he can have a 4,000-plus yard passing season, 30 passing touchdowns, which is just not out of the question at all for him in this offense, and the Lions win 10 games and win the division, that narrative that we're talking about is going to be pushed hard for him. So at 66-1, to I would much, much, much rather bet on him than a guy like Kyler
1: Murray at twenty to one. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think people realize how good Matthew Stafford was, was. Awesome, the first half of last year. I mean, you you prorate his numbers to a full season. Uh He was completing sixty four and a half percent of his passes, passer rating of one hundred and six, four thousand nine hundred ninety eight yards, thirty eight touchdowns, ten picks. I mean, he was a guy who was, you know, would have been. An outside MVP candidate last year. If they, if they win, win, if they win nine games, and he has those numbers, he's probably not beating Lamar, but I bet he's in second place. Right. I think he's right there with Russ uh, for second place. I mean, he he was fifth. If You take everyone's first eight games last year. He was fifth in fantasy points after five game after eight games. He he was playing as well as anybody in football. Who was not Lamar Jackson. And yeah, yeah you know, sorry, go good. Right. And so I think, like you said, you uh, typically. When you look at what voters have done in the past, they want to see a guy who improves, a guy who posts better numbers than he had the previous year, and a guy who wins the division or or wins the, you know, or or, or leads his team to something unexpected. And that happened last year with Lamar, happened with Wentz a few years ago, or he would have won, I think, if he had stayed healthy. Um I, I absolutely think Matthew Stafford is a very live bet at anything. You know, if it was 30 to 1, I would sit here and say, eh, like a lot of things have to go right. 66 to 1?
0: Absolutely. 50 to 1 or more, I think, is a... Is an absolutely a play for for Matthew Stafford 100%. and and the other thing too. Now this is sort of, I guess, the economics of this futures market. But normally I would be a little worried that come award season, if they're like Mahomes has a great year and Stafford has a great year, that that voters would be willing to just give Stafford the the comeback player of the year award or like mm-hmm. offensive player of the year award. But you have so many dudes coming back from injuries or just coming back from comebacks between AJ Green. Um and and Rob Gronkowski, uh, Miles Garrett returning from suspension, Trent Williams, my comeback player of the year pick. Uh, like all these, like Al- Alex Smith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Alex Smith is now four and a half to one to win it. Cam Newton, right? I mean, th- like one of those guys is gonna have a great season and win comeback player of the year award. And so Matthew Stafford, in theory, should be more involved in the other voting. It's a, that's mm-hmm. sort of a, a weird galaxy brain. It's true though. I mean, yeah, like that's just how humans are going to vote. You know, that, that, that's how
1: that's how this this process works, for better or worse. Right, um, uh, Daryl
0: Bevel, I mentioned, used to be with the Seahawks. Yes. Do you uh, like to put any money on the Seahawks?
1: I do. I do want to put money on the Seahawks as well. Um, I am not optimistic about the Seahawks this year. I'm under nine and a half with them. Oh. I like getting the nine there, minus one thirty, so a little bit of juice there. But I do like. Um, having that nine win being a victory on my side, a team that last year won 8.2 expected games. That is not likely to happen again. I know people are going to say, hey, Russell Wilson is magic and he's going to make that happen. Russell Wilson is magic. He is incredible. I think he was the second best quarterback in football last year. He was 500 in close games before last year. And then he was, I believe, nine and two in those games a year ago. It's yep. just no precedent for him doing that. A team that was by adjusted games lost, uh, the of Football Outsiders, uh, one of the healthier teams in football. A team that benefited significantly early in the season from playing teams who were weakened by injuries uh, to their best players. Um, a, a team that is, in a even though their schedule was tough last year, are going to be playing a very tough schedule, you would figure, again, this season. Um, I, I think a team that, even though they added Jamal Adams, and I think Jamal Adams is a great football player, I have major concerns about their pass rush major concerns about their defensive line. Um I have concerns about their offensive line. And I think they're going to lose some elements of home field advantage by virtue of not having their fans in the stadium. So to me, uh I'm thinking a seven and nine, eight and eight or nine and seven season for the Seahawks this year. I I can't I mean look here's my thing with, with the
0: with the Seahawks. The argument that can be made for why this is a bad choice. Is is essentially just but Russell Wilson. Yeah, like that's all there is, and that is concern. When I am concerned by that argument, and I, and I think everybody should be. When when your only viable argument is but the quarterback is magical, like that's not that's not a great argument against it. I think this is a very good number uh, by Las Vegas too, who learned their lesson last year when they set it at eight and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if Russell scratched out nine wins in a full sixteen game season, even with you know, luck kind of turning against them, maybe because the defense sure. gets better for, for different reasons. But they have to win 10 games to cash this. And they have to play the 49ers twice. They have to play the Rams twice. Who, by the way, won nine games in a terrible year. Mm-hmm. Like the Rams are being just outright dismissed. They have to play the Cardinals twice. I, I mentioned that uh, I am I am very high on. They mm-hmm. Their schedule is not easy. They're, you know, incorporating new pieces. And they have those weaknesses on on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I, it makes a ton of sense. Their running back group is a mess. That's supposed to be their strength. And they had to bring in Carlos Hyde because by all expectations, Rashad Penny not going to play much. Chris Carson banged up. I I just think you can have concerns about how they're going to operate. And I don't trust Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll to just go out there and hashtag let Russ Cook. Are the are the are the are the Lions is it are the
1: Lions the new Seahawks or the new Chargers? Oh boy. I don't know if I want to make any Chargers comparisons on this podcast. I'm I'm just too scared about talking about the chargers with you. only bad thing's happen.
0: when well you will be you'll be glad to know bill that I've moved on to the chargers. <laughs> and in fact, my next bet is um is the Colts to win the AFC South, the new Chargers, my oh. new Chargers, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh I struggled with this one a little bit on on what to do with the Colts. So to win the AFC South, they are plus 140. So I'm going to put $100 on the Colts to win the AFC South. I think one of the things, and I'm just curious about what you think from, you know, just a, a value perspective. So, and then we're looking at odds from William Hill. The Colts to win the division are plus 140. The Colts over total is nine wins plus 100. So you would need at least ten wins. Mm-hmm. And the Colts to make the playoffs is minus 160. I think that the the, I mean, obviously the playoff making the playoffs is more likely than winning the division. You have more outs there. Um, you know, you can win nine games and push and not win the division. But I, I, I thought that the plus money, I don't want to lay the 160, even though I think that is very likely. And I believe the division is a little bit weaker. I'll take the chances on the Texans getting injured and the Titans regressing to the mean a little bit. So I took the value on the Colts at plus 140. Would you go to a different direction if you were taking the Colts there?
1: I, don't know. I think if you're confident enough in the Colts to make the playoffs, which I, I think it seems like you are, and I, I, I agree with you, I think it makes sense to kind of go and try and get the extra value with the division. I mean, uh, I think you think about what the public's thinking about this division. Houston has a ton of stars and made some uh, ugly trades, but they won the division last year, made it to the divisional round. Tennessee, of course, made it to the AFC Championship game. I mean, I know that people want to think that is the true level of talent for Tennessee. They're not going to score 100% of the time in the red zone. They're not going to stop the other team 80% of the time in the red zone, wherever it was until the Chiefs game. the, they beat a, a pretty mediocre Patriots team because they came up with a, they, they basically had a bunch of fourth down stops. And I think that's not, I don't want to disparage them because I think they are a good team. I think they're going to be in the same place they were a year ago, but the regular season edition of this team as opposed to the playoff edition of this team. And also it's not shocking to think that, oh, an offense that's built around Ryan Tannehill uh might collapse because Ryan Tannehill has major injury issues in the past. I, I think they're going to be a good team, but I don't think they're going to be the team we saw in the playoffs a year ago. And I think that's what the public is going to think about them. Just what they saw them doing last is almost making it to the Super Bowl. Um, I think that if you have faith in the Colts, I'd rather try to get the extra value. And I, I do think that um you know having the extra team in the playoffs is going to make those lines a little uh, you know, uh, there obviously changes the way that we think about the math when it oh, comes yeah. to taking the playoffs. But I do think that, um, the Colts are a little more likely to make the playoffs than that number indicates. Okay. All right. Uh, so you're, you're, you're fairly bullish on the Colts, but not.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, there are reasons. I'm, 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 with, why... I'm with
1: you. Yeah. I'm with okay. You. Uh, well, uh, what else you have? My last bet, uh, is going to be on a team to not make the playoffs. Ooh. Any team that I think. A lot of people would expect to make the playoffs. It is the Green Bay Packers, a team that was 13 and three a year ago. They are plus 120 to miss the postseason, and I know if they get an extra team I, I in the postseason, I know that they are 18, and 13 and three a year ago. But I laid it out in my column on ESPN on teams most likely to decline in 2020, alongside the Seahawks. Packers uh, were nine and seven last year by expected points. I don't know if you've heard well, not a lot of people are very impressed with what they did this offseason <laughs> to improve their roster. And I think that there's a, um, they were very heavily dependent on interceptions last year on defense. Their turnover margin was pretty significant. Those are not typically year to year, uh, very reliable and consistent indicators of, uh, things that are ha- going to happen again. Um, their schedule is going to be, I think, reasonably tough. I think the division is going to be tougher with the Lions playing better. The Bears, by the way, sort of similar to the Rams. You know, a disaster year where they went 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, it wasn't like they were terrible last year. They just weren't as good as the people were expecting heading into the season, especially if you happen to be a Bears fan. Right. Um A team that's always won Aaron Rodgers' injury away from disaster. I know they have Jordan Love. Maybe Jordan Love is... I think Jordan Love is better than, you know, Tim Boyle. Um, I mean maybe. But you know, I, I mean I, I we don't know. I and mean, I think it's He threw seventeen interceptions for Utah State last year. Yeah, not ideal. I, I just think that's he might struggle to come into the NFL. Sure. Um offensive line, defense very healthy last year after a couple of injuries early in the season. Um they lost Lane Taylor early in the year. They lost Oren Burks, who was like a rotation guy at linebacker, um in, in preseason. Otherwise, they're too the ball extremely healthy last year. It's tough to count on that happening again. Um, you know, I I, I I see them being a a eight and eight team, and I don't know if that'll be enough to make the playoffs in the NFC North. I, I'm with you. I think we talked about this previously, and then
0: uh, clearly they were going to be in your column for teams that would regress. I mean, the Seahawks and the Packers. If you're, it's a little tougher this year to, to pick teams who will miss the playoffs because, as we as you point out, the playoffs are expanded. Yes. But gosh, I mean, if you're picking two teams who have and check every box on the statistical, analytical regression of a professional football team from one year to the next. It is the the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers.
1: I Mean this is analytics week, Will, so you know got to hey. back up the numbers in doing that.
0: No, I mean, look, uh, I think Jared Dubin wrote a story for CBSSports.com, and he's an analytical fellow himself, and he had uh, both teams uh, as likely to fall out. I just think, man, I mean, if there's also the 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 non analytical thing here for the, for the Packers where let's say they struggle out of the gate and they're one and four. Mm -hmm. I mean, does Aaron Rodgers throw a hissy fit and just like walk out? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, or or they're like, you know, we gotta, he's not gonna be on the team next year. Like we got to try out Jordan law. I mean, you know, there's, you know, there's some, if they struggle early, Mm -hmm. you could see some, some infighting build up that might take its toll on, on the roster and on the players there. So I, you know,
1: not I agree. And they're at Vikings. And you plus money. Yeah. Plus money helps at the saints hosting the Falcons and then a week five bye, and then at Tampa week six, Aaron Rodgers bench for Jordan love week five bye. what are the odds on that? It's going to be like 501. I think you've got to contact Mr. Hill to get a custom quote <laughs> for that one. Hey, Billy. How you doing, buddy?
0: <laughs> um, okay. I will. Uh, my, I have, I have three more. Oh, now. wow. Yeah, we'll get through quickly. I'm, I'm bad about this. I can't not sprinkle long, like, I can't not sprinkle on like,
1: you're smart.
0: No, not really. Um, so uh, this is one that I've come around to recently with the uh, departure of various players, the uh, remaining uh, constant that is Adam Gase and a total lack of faith in, I don't, I think Joe Douglas is doing the right thing and building the Jets the right way, but I don't think Bill that they have any amount of continuity going right now on offense. You lose C.J. Mosley to opt out. You trade Jamal Adams. I think they're setting up this franchise to be pretty good, or potentially be good in in three to two to three to four years, depending on how things go with Sam Darnold and whether he can take a leap forward. But man, I don't know. I don't, and I love Sam Darnold, but I don't think that the Jets are are giving him the proper weapons around him that they need to in order for him to have maximum success. I will put a hundred and thirty dollars on the Jets under six and a half wins. I just look at this roster. I mean, the, the longest tenured guys on, on the skill position guys were James,
1: like Jameson Crowder and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, how does this team win seven games? I'm just stressed to think about what injury Sam Darnold was going to suffer this year. No mono. He got mono. He got mono, And that was not the, like, that was maybe not even the least of his troubles last year. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't,
0: I, I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see a path, and I think with the Patriots, you know, if they can get a healthy Cam, mm-hmm. I, I think the Dolphins are a little overhyped and probably aren't won't be as good as as people are maybe expecting them to that. be. I almost put uh, a couple dollars on them to have the worst record in football, like twelve to one. Shouldn't be that high.
1: Yeah, I, I would have thought you on that.
0: Um, but I just don't think the Jets are there, so I'm 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 fading the Jets. Uh, I also uh, put twenty five dollars on Miles Garrett to win Defensive Player of the Year. It's twenty but to one. Love it. Which is not great, but you know statistically he profiled as a guy who could win that award last year, were it not for the helmet incident. And if the Browns do take a step forward and become a playoff contender, I think there'll be a narrative there as well. So I, I like Miles Garrett. Do you have any any qualms about Garrett at twenty to one?
1: Mina, Kimes, and I both pick Miles Garrett to win Defensive Player of the Year, so we're on board. All right, I love it. Yeah, I think it's I'm surprised he's not in the ten to fifteen to one range. He should be.
0: Yes, he should be. Um, and finally. And I only shoehorned this bet in there because I because I want to know what your thoughts are are on the odds for it. Eighty five dollars, <laughs> complete shoehorn. Eighty five dollars on the Cowboys to make the playoffs minus two twenty. Now, you mm-hmm. can bet on the Cowboys instead to w- win the division. I believe that they are. Let's see. To make the playoffs, they're minus 220. Their over under win total is nine and a half minus 145. And to win the division, they're 120. So this is basically me using $85 to, to put on the Cowboys as a way of asking you, which direction would you go with Dallas? And is there anything in terms of that cash? That you, I don't like laying one 220. It's, it's stupid, yeah. but th- the odds of making the playoffs are much more likely to me than the division. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's shown in the odds
1: themselves. I don't know if I want to take a nine and a half win total. That is a lot. I, I'm, I'm very high on the Cowboys this year. I have to admit, Now my projector for them is, is 10, 11 wins. So I, I would be comfortable over nine and a half. Okay. I, I would rather take them to win the division. I feel like if you're, if you're that confident in them that you're willing to lay 220, I feel like they have at least a viable shot to win the division. Sure. And I'd, I'd rather just lay the 120 and then maybe, you know, get to week 16, week 17, if it's close you know, I, I feel like you're being, you'll be in rough shape, but you can deal with it. Um, You know, I, I just feel like, like, you know, that's a 69%. If you think they're 69% to make the playoffs with that, uh, the 220 line, mm-hmm. like that's pretty high. Are, are you not that confident in them that they have a, a very reasonable shot at winning the division? I mean, I, I, I just, I I, I, I think they're the better team than the Eagles. I think top to bottom, they are much better than the, not much better. they're at least better than the Eagles. And I think, So would you would you bet the over nine and a half
0: minus one forty five or go with the because you could obviously you know the the difference is there for people listening is that you can get ten wins lose the division on a tiebreaker where the Eagles win eleven games still cash your over whereas you know you could also win nine games and still win the division which has been fairly likely in the NFC Eastern
1: recent years I think I'd rather just take the division bet I think the one forty five is too much if it was Nine and a half with you know at one fifteen or one ten, I think I'd go the nine nine and a half. But I think the division bet's the best of the three.
0: Okay, and the other thing too, I would say to people who are thinking about futures right now, and we'll have gambling week in a couple of weeks. All this stuff blends together basically, (laughs) but that be careful of taking overs right now. Sure, you know what I I mean. You know what I mean. Like if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna bet an over in the future. Be careful about taking it at the onset of training camp because we just don't know what's going to happen with certain te- You know what I mean? Like if injuries happen, et cetera, et cetera, you're better off taking your unders early and not having those lines close on you than taking the over and then having a, a you know, a horrible injury to
1: a key player happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, But I, if you love an over, right. take it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, I think if you are some marginal thing, I'd rather wait. But if you feel really confident, you might be better off taking the line now and hoping that you get a better price than. locked in before the season starts
0: right because like if you love the if you love the lions over six and a half right there's a pretty good chance
1: that lions over just a seven right and that's what i'd be concerned about is that i'm i'm very comfortable at six and a half if it's seven even if it's seven and even money i'm i'd rather be able to win with seven than push with seven absolutely um all right bill tell us where people
0: can find your stuff no i'm just kidding you can find you can uh you can watch uh you can you can't watch but you can listen to the bill barnwell show on ESPN podcast follow him at Bill Bardwell on Twitter and make sure to read all of his articles on espn.com a prolific writer good friend of the show thank you for taking the time bill it's always fun to talk to you this
1: is Branson. you know it's my pleasure